It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosol, bring you the news and agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And, uh, yeah, we're going to Costa Rica and Panama. I didn't mention that. We've got a dairy farm. We're going to stop and see a dairy farm in that part of the world. And just uh, some unbelievable scenery, vegetation like you've never seen any place. It truly is a tropical rainforest. And we get out in the rainforest and walk around just Barely a few seats left. I haven't talked to holiday vacations in the last week or two. So, again, get on the list. And, you know, it's not going to cost you anything. If you think you might want to go, get on the list, and you can make a final decision here coming up a little later on. But uh, about full, the boat is full as far as going over there. So, and again, don't forget we're going to sail through the Panama Canal. Hey, good morning. Bob and Jill with you this morning as, uh, well, talk about winter won't be here very long. Kind of cool out there this morning, isn't it? It was kind of cool. There was frost on the windows. You got fog, too, on the way in. Be careful yep. of that. Yep. I had a bunch of fog on the way in. All right. And I was looking at the statewide weather roundup a little while ago, and they said Rice Lake is 33, but some snow in the area up there. I'm sure it's just flurries, but still, be careful out there. We're in a transition period, and uh, farm safety, of course, we'll talk about the uh, harvest, how far along that is across the country and across Wisconsin. Just to give you some highlights. We'll delve into that more tomorrow morning. But uh, again, the uh, important thing here is not only that the harvest is underway and there's a lot of activity out there, but safety first. And uh, a note from the National Farm Medicine Center, they have some slow-moving vehicle signs available. Now, a lot of the equipment that we have now has lights on it, but some of the uh, smaller wagons and uh, tractors and a piece of equipment like that don't have uh, all those lights on it. So again, for daytime activities, slow-moving vehicle signs are a must. It's by law. You have to have those on, and you have to have those in good shape. You know, if they're all crinkled up and the orange paint is peeling off and everything else, that's not legal. So uh, a limited quantity of slow-moving vehicle signs are available from the National Farm Medicine Center over in central Wisconsin at Marathon Feed and Marathon, also uh, Allied Cooperative, formerly known as uh, formerly Provision Partners. Now they have merged, so you can get them at, uh, at their operations in Stratford, Auburndale, and Hickston. And if you're not around those areas, uh, give the folks Scott or Melissa over at the Farm Medicine Center a call and uh, see if there aren't some places uh, maybe a little closer to where you are to get those slow-moving vehicle signs because they are very, very important. Well, you were uh, reporting on Facebook yesterday, Jill. Uh, you got the cows in heaven right now. They are in heaven. They're on the the combine cornfield right beside my house. And the combine cornfield turned out to be pretty good. Pretty good. It's uh, average 204 
bushels to the acre at 26% moisture. All right, and that uh, was some pretty heavy ground, but still it was dry this year. Yeah, it was, and um, the corn actually was still green. I didn't get, uh, I haven't been frosted actually until this morning. I had frost on my pickup. And that's not a hard frost this morning either. No, 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 no. It was green stalks out there, but the cows are out there foraging, finding every little kernel they can find. And I bet there's still some good grass out there along the fence lines and everything too. Yeah, I mowed along the one side because uh, my dog has a tendency to find uh varmin in there so <laughs> so uh, i tried to keep the weeds down around the edges at least all right so again uh, we're into that time of the year where lots of machinery is uh, on the road in the fields if you're out taking a drive looking at fall colors be careful safety first we'll uh, talk about the crops farm safety we'll go back to world area expo we'll talk to some folks from our area that were there with a booth it's always one of the busiest booths at World Dairy Expo. We're talking about Ellsworth Co-op Creamer. We'll talk to Dean Hines about uh, why they go all the way to Madison for Dairy Expo. Also, Federal Milk Marketing Order Talks. They're off now for a while till I believe, after Thanksgiving. And we'll also talk about cranberries because it's the beautiful cranberry harvest season. So lots to talk about there as well. And Jerry Clark. We'll also be here, Jerry Clark, uh, Eau Claire, Chippewa, Dunn County, Crops and Soils agent will be in this morning as uh, we move along. But again, as far as the weather is concerned, there's a little fog out there. We'll also talk, uh, you know, this harvest season, this Mississippi River situation is getting serious, isn't it? It is very serious. Give us the highlights of uh, what we're looking at here. Well, the Mississippi is... At all-time low levels this week in Memphis, setting a record for the second year in a row. Last week, water levels in Memphis fell to a record low elevation of minus 11.5 feet below sea level. So those are some things to be very, very concerned about because a lot of our crop heads to the river. Yeah. And it doesn't head to the river to go down the interstate. It heads to the river to go down the river. And uh, between the locks and dams and the low water levels, That is a challenge, so we'll address that as well today. Still, we're going to get in touch with the mayor of La Crosse because he was at that recent meeting of mayors along the Mississippi River. I mean, all the way from Canada, all the way down through Mississippi and Louisiana, and the concern not only about water levels, but, uh, you know, the, the requests, I guess we could say, or the the uh, eye that maybe some western states have on water from our Mississippi River. We don't have enough now to keep the Mississippi River floating, let alone try and uh, send it over to some of those other states out west. So a lot of things going on in agriculture right now, and we'll uh, delve into some as we move along this morning on the farm show. But again, uh, safety first, and uh, I don't know, long underwear might not feel bad this morning as you head out. (laughs) Because it's cool out there. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more this morning right here on Wax. I can tell you right here, it's about 32 degrees. The warmest spot I found when I checked through the state, Sturgeon Bay over there by uh, Green Bay over in eastern Wisconsin. Sturgeon Bay's at 46. That's the warmest spot. Agriculture. It's the Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Talk four minutes before 5 o'clock on a Tuesday morning in Wax. A cool Tuesday morning. And today, it's going to be a nice day. 
But low 60s, partly sunny, back down to, oh, but freezing tonight around the area, about 32. Tomorrow, 61 and cloudy. Thursday looks like the best chance of rain this week with a high of 56. Then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday should be nice, partly cloudy to partly sunny. 60 on Friday, mid to upper 50s on Saturday and Sunday. But again, there's some fog out there, and as we said a few moments ago, and I looked at that statewide weather roundup, Rice Lake, 33 degrees, reporting a little snow. But I know uh, that's not going to stay very long. But the fog might be around for a while this morning, so be very, very careful. Everybody's pretty much in the 30s this morning. Uh, Lacrosse at 41, but uh, Sturgeon Bay, the warm spot at 46, right here outside our back door this morning. Yeah, we've got about 32 degrees. Not bad. I don't think there's much wind out there. You didn't feel any wind. I didn't this morning, did you? Nope, no wind. And you can see the stars. So. Yeah, so nice morning out there. Get up and get at them. It's the shank of the day, baby. On Wax 104.5. Hey, it's 32 degrees. We'll get about 62. It should be a nice day. Partly sunny, 62 today. It is 5 o'clock. This is 104.5 FM, WAXX Eau Claire. News time. NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. A vote for the new Speaker of the House is expected today. House Democratic Whip Catherine Clark said the vote for Representative Jim Jordan will happen, but it's still unclear if Jordan will gather enough votes to secure the position. While the GOP holds a slight majority in the House, only four votes can be sacrificed to win, with some Republicans firmly against Jordan. A second vote took place after Jordan secured the nomination on Friday, with the total coming up well short of the 217 needed. President Biden is taking a trip to Israel. Brian Shookville is in. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Monday during a briefing after meeting with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu that the president will make the trip on Wednesday. Biden's expected to meet with Netanyahu and other Israeli leaders. I'm Brian Shook. The Vatican's top representative in the Middle East says he's willing to train places with Israeli children being held hostage by the Palestinian militant group Hamas. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa, the Latin patriarch of Jerusalem, told journalists on Monday he's willing to exchange anything to bring the children home. His office hasn't had any communication with Hamas since they launched an attack on Israel this month, killing more than 1,400 people, according to the IDF. Hamas claims to be holding nearly 200 people hostage, including children. The White House has reached a settlement in a lawsuit over the separation of children and their parents at the border with Mexico. Lisa Taylor has more. Kids during the Trump administration were sent to a sponsor while parents were detained. Some were never reunited. If approved by a judge, the deal would ban the government from similar separations for eight years. There are no monetary damages. In a statement, the head of Homeland Security called family separation inhumane and vowed that the cruelty of the past would not be repeated. I'm Lisa Taylor. And AT&T Stadium will become Dollywood on Thanksgiving. The Dallas Cowboys have announced that country legend Dolly Parton will perform the halftime show for their game against the Washington Commanders. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Oh, finally, a reason to watch the Cowboys. Dolly, <laughs> two and a half minutes after five o'clock. Lots going on this morning. The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Once again, if you're getting ready to head out, a little fog around the area. Some places it's kind of thick, so uh, do be careful. It'll burn off because we're going to have a partly sunny day. High in the low 60s today. About 32 overnight tomorrow. Cloudy 61. Thursday, the chance of rain in the area. 56, and then partly sunny Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, about 60, upper 50s uh, for the weekend. So uh, not a bad period of weather out here. And again, the harvest is moving forward. 
And uh, let's do it safely, whether you're in the farm equipment or whether you're driving around, taking a look at the fall colors or just seeing how the harvest is going around or heading for the apple orchards or whatever you're doing, let's do it safely. A little uh, snow was reported earlier around Rice Lake in 33, but there is uh, fog in many areas. Medford at 30 this morning, Marshfield 34, Rice Lake, uh, as we said, 33, La Crosse 41, Green Bay's 38, Madison, Sun Prairie, a cool 33. They're all cool down there in that area, aren't they? 39 degrees in Milwaukee, and right now in the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls area, 32 degrees. We're on our way to 62. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, uh, we're in the market, brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. And, Jill, what's the cash livestock started the week? Choice fed beef steers are 174 to 187 with mixed at 118 to 173. Choice fed beef heifers are 174 to 187 with mixed at 110 to 173. Choice fed Holstein steers are 154 to 165 with select and silage fed steers 123 to 153. Cows are 80 to 97 with a top of 125 with bulls at 110 to 121. Butcher hogs are 27 to 78 with sows at 22 to 29 and boars at 12 to 15. New crop market lambs are $2 and down, and feeder lambs are 110 to $2. All right, taking a look at the rest of our markets now, the uh, livestock futures yesterday were, for the most part, lower. The only uptick was October live cattle, closing at 185.20. That was up 7 cents. December live cattle, 186.55, down 20. February 19065 down 27 and April at 19350 down 35. Feeder cattle were lower November 24992 that was down a dollar 65. January feeder cattle 25152 down 72 March 25402 down 90 and April feeder cattle 25822 down a dollar 5. Lean hog carcass contracts December 6830 down a dollar 20. February is seventy three oh seven down a dollar twenty seven. April seventy nine ninety five down a dollar thirty five. And May at eighty five forty two that was down a dollar twenty. Board of Trade corn was lower in the day trade yesterday as progress continues in the harvest. Beans were stronger. The bean oil market really putting some support under soybeans overnight. December corn down another penny sitting at four eighty nine this morning. Oats up a penny at three eighty three. December wheat down a nickel at five seventy two. November beans up two at twelve eighty eight. Meal for December up a dollar sixty a ton, three hundred ninety one dollars and eighty cents. Barrel cheese down a quarter of a cent yesterday, one sixty four and a quarter. Blocks unchanged a dollar seventy. Butter fell a penny, but still sitting at three thirty five a pound. October class three down three at sixteen eighty one. November down two at seventeen thirty nine. December down nine at seventeen fifty. January down eight at eighteen oh two. February down four at eighteen thirty. Prices were lower out through April, and uh, that's where we are. We're going back to World Dairy Expo to talk to some folks that uh, what uh, you know I see, and when I go through World Dairy Expo, it's one of the busiest booths of the whole show. For those who work in acres. Not an hour. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. One of the busier booths always at World Dairy Expo has always been the Ellsworth Co-op Creamery booth. And Dean Hines is with us, one of the uh, one of the Hines boys down here with along uh, with a lot of other people. Dean, this is a commitment to come all the way from Ellsworth and bring coolers, bring people, bring cheese. But obviously you think it's worth it. Well, I think it's very important. You know, it is the World Dairy Expo. And I think we need to have 
cheese and dairy products here to demonstrate to the people around the world what we have in Wisconsin and throughout the United States. And as you look at the, the product mix that you bring here, it's not just cheddar. This is serving the world, and it's showing Wisconsin can produce a lot of specialty cheeses. Yes, there's hundreds of different varieties of cheeses, and it seems like when you don't think you can think up of a, a new brand or a new flavor, it it happens, and it happens every year, you know, so there's many, many new varieties of cheeses and flavors. How do you guys do it at the co-op? Do you have a taste panel? Do you have uh, some people that come in and make recommendations of, hey, you ought to try taco, or you ought to try dill pickle cheese, or some of the taco for the uh, curds? How helps you design and come up with these new ideas, and what kind of a process is it going through the, the uh until it gets to be a product you can put on the market. Well, I think our sales team goes out and, and sees different types of cheeses and so on and so forth, and then they bring it back, and then we have we have internal people that dream up stuff or try different th- things, uh, and then they, we, they try to make it, and then we sample it. All of the employees, or not all the employees, but a lot of people get to sample it and say, which one do you like best? You know, they got... They've made it, you know, like three or four different ways, and then they sample it, and then we rate them one, two, and three of which ones we like and which ones we don't. It's not a bad part of the job. No, no, that, you're right. Hey, at World Dairy Expo, Dean, again, you've got all kinds of cheese, curds, you've got all kinds of specialty varieties. You ever look at the badges and see where these people come from, taste these cheeses, and what their the look on their face is as they taste them as far as, oh, I really like that one. Oh, it's really interesting. You know, every person has a different taste. And, and, you know, you can't, I don't know what you like and what you your taste is. And some people like hot stuff and other people can't stand it. But it's great to watch people's faces. Yes, it is. And, uh, again, at World Dairy Expo, how much staff do you have to bring down here? Because you know, this isn't, a, this isn't a, a dairy breakfast where you set up and make uh, <laughs> make deep fried cheese curds for a few hours no we try to bring down three or four people for half of the the week and then we bring down another three or four people for the second half of the week and you're down here every year so obviously it's kind of labor of love yes it is and it's so great to see all the people that are in the industry and and we get a chance to uh, see their faces and and talk for five ten minutes so it's we're reminiscing it really are now a few years ago you're in a back room. Now you're in the main hallway of the Expo Center. Has it made a difference as far as, you always had a line no matter where you were, but has it made a difference as far as traffic? Yes, this is the main traffic here, and I think they put us out here because we are kind of a main attraction. We get a lot of people that stop through, and and uh, and I I think it helps the flow through here. Do you ever talk to people from other parts of the world and uh, about no matter what it is? Yes, yes, it is. It's very interesting. I just had a, a, a gentleman here from China here, and he's in in a couple hours. He's going to meet with some folks from his country, and and they're going to sample some of our cheese curds. And I think it could be a sale where we would sell, you know, export cheese to, over there. Maybe you talk fast enough, you can deliver it. Well, I don't know if I can talk quite that fast, but I could try. He will try, but if you want good cheese, always, every year at World Day Expo, again, one of the real popular booths, the Ellsworth Co-op Creamery booth, on the main drag in the exhibition hall at World Day Expo, visiting with uh, Dean Hines, one of the many folks from Ellsworth that comes down every year to World Day Expo. I'm Bob Bosold. 
The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And we'll see and hear the Howler Monkeys in the wild. Going to be a lot of fun down there in Costa Rica and Panama in March. All right, Joe, we've been talking a little bit earlier about the the Mississippi River, but uh, again, the challenge continues with the Mississippi River. Tell us what again, what's going on? Well, it set a record low for the second year row at the Memphis measurement. And last week, the water levels in Memphis fell to that record low level of minus 11.5 feet below sea level, according to data from the National Weather Service. Last year's record low at the end of October was minus 10.81 feet. And since mid-September, every water level gauge near along nearly a 400-mile stretch of the Mississippi from the Ohio River to Jackson, Mississippi, has been at or below the low water level. And those low water levels have already disrupted barge traffic along the har- along, during the harvest of Midwestern crops. Those soybeans, corn, and wheat that use the river for transportation within the country as well as exporting to other nations. And the United States and the United Kingdom have started talking about trade deals. The non-traditional negotiations cover topics including agriculture, labor rights, the environment, supply chains, and digital trade, leaving out market access. The way products have traditionally found their way into foreign markets is through lowering or eliminating tariffs and non-tariff barriers. Government officials have been critical of non-traditional deals with the argument that they won't deliver binding trade commitments from countries with clear benefits defined. U.S. trade with the U.K. works well because of the shared cultural and dietary tastes. Last year, the U.K. wanted to import $2.3 billion worth of pork, making it one of the world's top pork importers, but took only $3.8 million worth because of its tariff and non-tariff barriers. Yeah, it's been about a decade since we've uh, done any new trade deals, and that was a one-year deal with China. So again, UX, Mexico, Canada deal, but uh, you know those are those are getting old. We need new trade deals. We gotta we gotta sell our products in the world market. Coming up, we're gonna go back to World Dairy Expo because the uh, new man who's gonna be in charge of national milk producers, Greg Dowd, was there. We heard from Jim Mulhern earlier. But we also had a chance to talk to Greg Dowd, who's coming in as the new president and CEO of National Milk. We'll hear his thoughts and his background in dairy and what he's been doing for his career. He's been a busy guy. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. The National Milk Producers Federation will soon have a new leader as Jim Mulhern from Wisconsin. Currently, the president and CEO will step aside at the end of the year. Taking over will be Greg Dowd. And he's actually been on staff since about Labor Day when he was selected to succeed Mulhern as the leader of the National Milk Producers Federation. We caught up with Greg Dowd at World Dairy Expo. And while Dowd has worked in many areas of agriculture, including being a trade ambassador in the Trump administration, he's very familiar with the dairy industry and World Dairy Expo. It was 35 years ago, though. <laughs> I was on the K-State dairy cattle judging team and, and came up here and judged. I don't think we had a very good day that day, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, 
do know my way around a dairy cow, but mm-hmm. uh, that was a long time ago. I was going to say, between then and now, take us through your career, because you've yep. been involved in agriculture, but a lot of different commodities. Yeah, so I started uh, after uh, grad school, uh, so I was uh, animal science pre-vet, K-State, mm-hmm. master's in egg econ, was a state FFA officer, 4-H, AGR, the full kind of ag pedigree. Uh, worked for U.S. Wheat Associates in the 90s, then was the chief economist for the cattlemen in the 2000s, was the guy there when we had Mad Cow and, and uh, had to rebuild all our export markets, was in the middle of that every day, and, and then went to the Senate Ag, Cor- Ag Committee, uh, the 2012, 13, 14 farm bill. So we have to remember, we, we've struggled with farm bills before this one, and we'll struggle again. Uh, then uh, ran the Commodity Markets Council, which is the regulatory trade association that deals with futures markets issues in Washington. And then uh, was President Trump's uh, chief agricultural trade negotiator at USTR. So there we did the USMCA, Canada and Mexico. Uh, a year of my life was spent on the China deal, the China Phase 1 deal, and then we also did the Japan deal. So uh, really historic time as the ag negotiator for USTR. And then uh, spent the last couple of years in the private sector with a company called Aimpoint Research, which is a really extraordinary team of folks. Uh, these are West Point guys, mm-hmm. military guys that uh, that got into agriculture and, and uh, it was a startup. I was the 12th person they hired and, and a couple years later we were 30. So it's it was really fun to help build that company and, and uh, do a lot of 5, 10, 20 year out work with boards and CEOs all across agriculture thinking about what's to come and, and how do you need to be prepared for that. So I think all of that is, 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 is Jim indicated, it's pretty good, uh, pretty good background for uh, rolling into the, into the dairy world here. I was going to say, what was the final straw, so to speak, that appealed to you that, yes, I want to jump in with both feet, uh, you've been there a month, and uh, got a lot of work to do? That's easy. It was the people. These are great people in the dairy industry, and uh, being a farm kid myself, and and uh, you know, you, you know, I had a couple neighbors that were dairymen. Uh, they're not around anymore, but uh, mm-hmm. always, always great people. And and so having an opportunity to to work with them and and, and do something in Washington on on behalf of the dairy producers is a opportunity of a lifetime. As we talked uh, earlier with Jim Jim Mulhern, of course, who you're taking over for. We talked about labor. We talked about labeling. We didn't talk about exports. You were in as a trade representative. You know what it takes to get exports done. You're dealing with a fragile economy like China, but China in so many ways reflects on the prosperity or lack thereof in uh, American agriculture. You know, there there are a lot of jobs or a lot of areas that you could tackle. It is really remarkable, and, and I, I didn't really, you know, when I was with U.S. Wheat 30-some years ago, uh, I learned China from uh, a guy by the name of Hong Kong, Freddie Schneider, that in 30 years ago, had spent 30 years in, in Hong Kong and China. We lost him. He was nearly, what, 95, 96 years old here a couple years ago, but really gave you a great understanding of China. And, and after what I did uh, in the Trump administration, you, you really feel like you kind of know what's going on there a little bit. And things are pretty fragile over there right now economically. There's no question about it. And, and so that's what we're seeing is that, you know, what's giving us fits is New Zealand is not able to go into China like they have historically. So we're running into them all over in our traditional markets. And, and so when you, when you look at globally how trade flows work in all of agriculture, but especially in dairy, uh, it's, it's really interesting and complicated. Here, here's one statistic that I always talk about. 
Last year, China imported from the world $236 billion in ag products and food. Total U.S. ag exports to the world last year were $196 billion. So China's total ag imports are still more than our total ag exports to the world. So why do we talk about China? That's why we talk about China. It is just critically important to every commodity, not just the dairy industry. I was going to say, at National Milk, and I don't know the, the structure of any international employees or international outreach, but knowing trade the way you have, and obviously uh, with Hong Kong, Louis, or whatever his name was, yeah. uh, but uh, is that something you'd look at through other associations, export groups, to, uh, and you mentioned the Chinese economy is so fragile, but are you hopeful that it's coming back? Yeah, I think so. I, I think eventually it will. Uh, and I think, so the opportunity for us in food, though, in, in China, so it was a year of my life, 33 negotiating sessions, hundreds and hundreds of hours I spent with the Vice Minister of Agriculture of China. In the Phase 1 agreement, we fixed 57 issues in agriculture alone. Ag was the biggest piece of that agreement. So can I tell you one example of a story? We were trying to get ultra-filtered milk, mm -hmm, fair life. And we were sitting down in, in our office in Washington and we said, we need you to write a new regulation. This is a new product. Here are all the new products that we have. And, and, and so if you could write a new regulation, we can get this into China. And they were like, no, 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 it's, it's this thing and fits over here. We're like, no. And they said, no, 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 it's this thing that fits over here. No. So finally, Undersecretary McKinney over lunch went down to the 7-Eleven and bought $17 worth of Fairlife and handed it out to all of the Chinese delegation and said, here, this is what we're talking about. And the vice minister goes, hey, this is pretty good. This would really sell in China. We're like, well, no, we can't get it in the country. And that's how we fixed that issue. And so it was just issue 57 things like that that were really drove you crazy. But we made enormous progress, and that's that's how you have to do it at the end of the day. Now, you're coming in at a, well, an interesting time in dairy with a federal milk marketing order hearings wrapping up soon. Next spring, should get a look at, uh, at what it's all about. I mean, this is, uh, what kind of a primer are you doing on, uh, on understanding what this is all about? Because, you know, the old story had been when Federal Milk Market and only three guys in the country knew what they were all about, and they'd call each other to ask questions of each other. So how up to speed are you at this point in time? Well, I, I spent a couple of days in Carmel, Indiana, and, and uh, the, the joke when I came back was I showed back up in the office, and Jim was hugely relieved, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but looking forward to the uh, the dairy industry in this country and national milk and dealing with you're dealing with with the whole industry, processors, producers, cooperatives, and uh, you know some might think it's like herding cats. But uh, are you ready for it? Well, I, I think uh, watching the federal milk marketing order process unfold, I am so amazed at Jim's effort and National Milk's effort to build unanimity in the dairy industry over this. And, and I think what you've come up with is, is a list of solutions here is rock solid. And, and the thing that I, from the outside looking in a few weeks on the job is, you've got a good plan, don't overthink it, stick with it, and, and uh, you, you'll get through this. And, and I think that's, that's the message here is, is you, you, you've done your homework on this, and, and uh, I, I think you're going to end up in a really good spot. And again, that's Greg Dowd, who is the incoming president and CEO of National Milk Producers Federation. He's been around the block on a lot of things. And, of course, uh, they always say it's not production, uh, not uh, supply, it's not, it's, uh, it's a distribution. That Chinese story is a good example. 
people are doing trade negotiations and they don't even know what the product is they're trying to negotiate. Like the Chinese guy got fair life, got it. Oh, yeah, we can sell that. So, again, the challenges do continue. Hey, we're going to get the market week started. We'll talk to Rocky over at Premier Livestock. That's next on OAX. It's 5.30 in the morning. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's a busy time over at Premier Livestock in with you. Rocky Olson is with us. Good morning, Rocky. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Good, good. Did you check the thermometer outside the, the palatial estate there in Lublin? Oh, I don't like looking at it. 31. <laughs> 31, yeah, that's about where everybody is this morning. It's it's cool and a good day on weather. Yeah, that, that it is. That it is. All right. Well, I know you got uh, a lot of things going on this week, next week. Uh, get us caught up on what happened yesterday. Uh, thank you, Bob. Uh, good morning, everyone. This uh, yesterday, Monday's livestock auction shaped up here at Premier Livestock. Uh, we sold 1,350 head of livestock yesterday. Fed cattle traded steady. High choice and prime Holstein steers, 155 to 167. Select low choice from 140 to 154. Choice beef steers and heifers up to 178. Market cows steady. High yielding cows from 105 to 123. Many from 80 to 104. Market bulls high yielding from a dollar to $1.23, lower yielding 99 and down. Organic market cows sold every Monday, mostly from 120 to 158. Uh, newborn Holstein bull calves, guys, and make sure you know what your calves are worth here, guys, because they are super strong. Yesterday, we saw the newborn Holstein bull calves mostly from 400 to $595 on the Holsteins. Your beef calves, mostly from 400 all the way up to $800. Uh, this week at Premier, very, very busy week. Today, Tuesday, we got our special feeder cattle auction, uh, bred beef cow auction. Now, keep in mind, this will be the last special for the month of October. Uh, we're selling seven to 900 head of feeder cattle. we got over 100 bred beef cows. Uh, we started 11 o'clock a.m. with the beef cows selling first. If you guys got beef cows to bring, they got to be in by 9 o'clock this morning for preg checks. Then tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, we got three complete herd dispersals. we got a 100 cow Holstein parlor freestall herd. we got a 90 cow crossbred herd with a very strong lineback influence. Uh, many Jersey cross, Swedish red cross, their parlor freestall. we got a 30 cow Holstein registered herd uh, plus lots of other top consignments and a big run of spring and heifers. Machinery auction, uh, like I said, that's coming up November 3rd. Uh, we're taking consignments all week, guys, but not Friday because we got our horse sale this Friday. No consignments brought in this Friday, but we'll be open Saturday from 8 to noon. Very important, guys. We had a lot of guys say, hey, I'm bringing equipment, but it's not coming yet. We need to get that in so we get it pictured. Uh, we don't get it advertised until it's sitting in our lot. So, like I say, you got equipment, get it in. Uh, demand looks real good. Nationwide buyers through equipmentfacts.com. So that's how things are shaping up, Bob. So lots of whiskers and suspenders at the barn on Friday, huh? Yeah, you're going to participate with yours? (laughs) (laughs) I might need suspenders to keep my pants up. I told Jill this morning, I got up, I was in such a hurry, I forgot to put a belt on. Oh, boy. (laughs) And I got one hand in my pocket holding them up. But uh, what time does the horse sale start? Uh, I believe they get uh, underway at 9 o'clock. All right, we'll see how it goes. But we'll talk to you before that. Talk to you in the morning. All right, thank you. There he goes. That's Rocky over there. Premier Livestock in the Withia. Well, what kind of weather are they going to have for cattle sales, horse sales, and everything else? Let's find out. Ag Country Farm Credit Service is bringing us our weather from 13 First Alert Weathers. Professional Mike.
D'Andrea, how you doing, Michael? <laughs> Good. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing well, and uh, it's, uh, the change of the season is here, huh? Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a chilly one this morning for uh, for a lot of us, and also very hard to see. Do you, you get any fog on the way in, Bob? I don't know. I usually don't pay attention. I just kind of, <laughs> my car knows the way, so it doesn't matter whether I can see or not. But uh, yeah. I know Jill said she got some. Yeah, it was uh, it was a little hard to see in some spots. Others seem to be mostly clear, but uh, that's just one of those things that you're going to want to take your time on the roadways this morning, of course, if you're uh, in some of that dense fog. But later on, once that fog lifts, we'll see more sunshine and highs in the low 60s. But tonight, that's where some clouds will start to roll in. It'll actually keep us pretty mild through the overnight as we only dip to the upper 40s. But it does bring our next weather maker, which will bring us chances at some showers tomorrow and highs once again in the low 60s. But then we get on the backside of the system by Thursday. Still some cloud cover, still some chances at some showers, but highs in the mid to upper 50s. Friday, potentially another slim chance at some showers, but I wouldn't necessarily count on those. And overall, uh, rainfall total is not going to be impressive. Highs in the mid-50s again on Friday before Saturday and Sunday. Give us another day in the mid-50s, but we do have a little bit more sunshine. And from Monday, back to the mid to upper 50s with a bit more sunshine as well. But for the moment, we do have some fog and a temperature 32 degrees right at the freezing point in Eau Claire. Yeah, the magic number. Yeah. Thursday, that uh, heavy rain, passing rain, what do you think? Uh, It doesn't seem like it'll be very heavy. It's actually going to look like, you know, those um, clipper systems that we see in the winter that just kind of give us a quick dusting of snow and move through quickly. It'll look like one of those pretty much. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. You bet, Bob. Have a good one. You bet, Mike Dandrea. We're at uh, 13 First Alert Weather as we look at our markets, weather, and news on WAC. And let's get our news brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services. We go into the newsroom. Morgan McCarthy is with us. Well, on Saturday, Morgan, I was down at the Badger game in Madison. Oh, did you jump around? Oh, I jumped around. I'd jump around before, during, and after the How game. How about that? But so I you can was... do that now because you lost all that weight. That's right. You jump was... higher. <laughs> yeah, but the coming down hurts. It's still on the knees, right? Yeah, there you go. But I ran across some uh, folks... Jaden and Cambry Reismer. Does that name sound familiar oh, to you? Very much so. Not only familiar, a soft spot in my heart. That was uh, Siggy's... Erin. Um, yeah, it was her uh, kindergarten second, teacher. Second grade teacher. She's a second grade teacher now. Oh, she, she? Yep, she was Siggy's very first kindergarten I know, teacher. And she told me that uh, there was a little bit of a discipline problem back then, but not so much with the kid, but the mother. <laughs> oh, is that what she told yeah, you? Did she, she said, put my name on the yeah, board? Yeah, she said the mother was caused me all kinds of problems. Oh, not only a great teacher, her son Jaden plays in the Band. Uh, yeah, I know he does. He's getting, we yeah, getting he's ready mechan- to graduate. He's going to be a mechanical engineer graduating in December. So, uh, See, some people make boys feel proud after graduation. <laughs> <laughs> Not well, so much yours truly. All we can do is try. What's going on? <laughs> well, we will start with headlines that uh, keep us pretty close to the state level. Good morning. Beginning locally in, in the courts, a jury comes back with a not guilty verdict, acquitting a former UW-Eau Claire official on child sexual assault charges. The jury came back with a not guilty verdict yesterday against Timothy Bonin. As investigators say, he reportedly touched five children and he always said he never did anything wrong and actually testified in his own defense at trial. He was the director of risk management and UW-Eau Claire in 2020. When he was charged, he resigned from that job. Again, the jury coming back on not guilty charges. 
In other headlines, the Barron County Sheriff's Department is warning you that they're not calling and demanding thousands of dollars for a court-ordered DNA test, but the scam is making the rounds. Officials say scammers call people up, claim they're with the sheriff's office, and then tell people that they have to take a court-ordered DNA test and pay to do it. The department says that's not how any of it works, and if you get that call, pretty simply, you just want to hang up. As we look into some other headlines that stretch the state, Governor Tony Evers says he'll provide money, that's emergency funding, to the tune of $170 million for sustaining child care counts. Now, that's a federally funded pandemic-era subsidy for providers, sounded like this from the governor. While I'm hopeful this investment will stave off an urgent collapse of our state's child care industry, this is a stopgap measure and will still not make our child care providers whole. This level of funding is still less than what our child care providers had just a few years ago. Now, the money that he announced is mainly from reimbursements that the state received from FEMA for pandemic response operations. But while we're talking money, the state of Wisconsin once again has a bulging wallet, billions of dollars in the bank at the end of the year. It's surplus time, and the yesterday, Governor Evers' office announced the state ended the fiscal year 2023 with $7 billion surplus. That is more than the $4 billion that we saw in 2000. 2022. And we head to the table. Maybe today's the day to uh, get that big plate of spaghetti and celebrate pasta. Maybe. Today is National Pasta Day, and there are many myths about where it began. Pasta dates back to 1154 in Sicily, Italy, so that does predate Marco Polo's visit to China in 1271. The National Pasta Association says there are 350 different types of pasta, from angel hair to ziti. Hands down, Italy eats the most, but in the States, people in New York show it the most love. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. And away from the pasta and back to the chore as we go to the barn with Bob Bolsold, Joe Welke, and your Midwest Farm Report on Wax 104.5. Pasta is my favorite. And oh, I love spaghetti, meatballs, lasagna, manicotti, stuffed manicotti. Oh. I'll make a big plate of uh, spaghetti today and we can uh, do the lady in the tramp reenact. How about that? You take one end of the noodle uh, and I'll take the other. We can do it. Do you remember your <laughs> kindergarten teacher? Absolutely. Miss Johnson was her name. Really? Yeah. How did you run into uh, the rising down at the, uh, Well, you might There's know. There's a few they were, tens they were of thousands. Boyceville area and you Tailgating. might know they were drinking. <laughs> I think they're tailgating now for the game this oh, weekend. Miss oh, Johnson, was, is she still teaching? I doubt it. Oh. Yeah, no, I know for a fact she's not still teaching. Um, but yeah, I remember her clearly. <laughs> I think everybody remembers their kindergarten teacher. Never, what about you? I'll never forget Miss Hagerman. Yeah, it's always because oh, it's your first. Uh, experience. She was a doll. She taught. Uh, she taught for many years. Yeah. Had a real influence on in our family. <laughs> I think she probably had to have a heavy hand with some of those Bolsold boys going through the classroom. <laughs> That's right. right. And Sister Barn was her biggest challenge. I said. somehow doubt that. <laughs> I somehow doubt that. I don't think so. Okay, we'll see you later. <laughs> Welcome back, Bob. All right, thanks, Morgan. Morgan McCarthy in the newsroom. Jerry Clark is here, too. Time for our fall pioneer updates. I've got Mike Gronsky, field agronomist. The farmers are out harvesting that corn. There's always that concern of the dry down rates. What are you seeing? As we get later in October here, typically we don't see a tremendous amount of corn dry down. You know, usually it's anywhere from no moisture loss per day to maybe a third of a point historically. And that's all GDU driven. And the amount of GDUs it'll take to drop a point of moisture is really going to vary on where the moisture of the corn is at. When the corn is wetter, north of 25% moisture, you know, like to eat 
takes about 30 GDUs to drop a point of moisture. As we get under 25% moisture, it takes closer to 45 GDUs to drop a single point of moisture. If we're lucky enough to get a 60 degree day, really we're only going to pick up about 5 GDUs. Dry down rates are pretty marginal as we get to the latter part of this month. You know, maybe a good decision to maybe go work on start cutting some of this corn if we haven't already and work on getting that to the bin rather than leaving it out in the field. Some great advice from Mike Gronsky, field agronomist for Pioneer. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Terry Clark, Chippewa, Claire, Dunn County, Crops and Soils agent is with us. You remember your kindergarten teacher? Yes, I do. Who Mrs. was it? Mrs. Harding. Mrs. Harding. At Hillcrest Elementary. Oh, yep. yeah. What about you, Jill? You remember yours? Absolutely. Mrs. Isaacson. Mrs. Isaacson. Okay. Yeah. I had... Miss Hageman, and she wasn't <laughs> married. I, I don't know if she ever got married or not. <laughs> Spending time with uh, with kindergartners, she probably, probably had enough. <laughs> All right, well, Jerry, well, let's let's get to business. Uh, what are you finding from the guys and the gals out in the combines and choppers? How the crops coming off pretty well? No real problems. Yeah, it seems like uh, you know up until last what Friday or whenever the rains came, the yeah. soybeans got came off in great shape. I think we're seeing yields anywhere in the. I guess mid thirties in some of the dry land sands, which is pretty good for what what it looked like. Yeah, we had a tough uh, year back in June and July, and up into the you know into the sixties, probably seventies in some locations, parts of the fields. So it all depends on variety and soil type and lay of the land and all those kind of things. Yeah, I know. And, last week or so, when I was driving down through Illinois, Indiana, and down to Carolina. A lot of combine. Man, it was throwing some dust out. It's dry in yep. the countryside. I didn't have a chance to stop and talk about yields, but saw a lot of combines running. And how far along are we in corn? High moisture? I think uh, we're, yeah, we're just, get, you... just kind of getting started. I saw a few combines going yesterday on some of the drier soils. Uh, but that... nobody's reporting any real concerns. Is the white mold? Now, you mentioned yeah, there was white, dry, yeah, but there white was some... mold has a Part white, in that. Right, white mold earlier, uh, but have I think that's pretty isolated. I mm-hmm. think some of that had to do with uh, weed control issues in some fields, and um, overall, I think it's been okay, but that, that white mold was still out there. And uh, still and variety selection. Variety selection is number one on that one. Um, you can adjust. Uh, so the farms I checked that were having white mold issues were doing things by the book as far as planting population, yeah. row spacing, those kind of things. I think it was more of a weed control issue or a variety selection, but variety selection can definitely help. Yeah, and uh, what do you hear from the guys about uh, pre-booking with these fertilizer prices? Uh, not as tough as they were. Right. I think that's going to be the... Hearing some farms are starting to get in their uh, seed orders as well as starting to, to look at booking and prepaying fertilizers. So all of that at the end of the year when we look at the the bottom line and, of course, uh, the IRS and taxes, you try to get a few things yeah, right. purchased before the end of the year. And if you could put that on next year's account, it uh, gets you off to a little bit better start, especially when prices are a little lower. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, our old buddy Bill Halfman, who's the state beef extension leader, whatever, yep. team leader, mm-hmm. got a big day coming up on Saturday. What's that? Where is that? Yeah, we got a fall beef and pasture management program at the Schmidt Farm, uh, Ken Schmidt's place, just uh, right on the curve where County B in Chippewa County and Highway 40 uh, kind of meet together. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's part of the uh, Chippewa Valley watershed group that we've put together that's been part of that, along with Farmers Union and the Land Conservation Department. Uh, but we're basically looking at some of the livestock handling uh, health issues, trying to keep getting ready for winter. And uh, some of the farm facility 
types of things, handling demonstrations and some of these portable corral systems that can be uh, put together relatively inexpensively uh, on a smaller herd that you can be able to move uh, some of that cat, those cattle around, get them vaccinated, know where to vaccinate and those kind of things. So, uh, yeah, uh, we've got uh, Sandy Stitchin, who's our Taylor County uh, agriculture educator. And also uh, a veterinarian. Also a veterinarian, yep. She's going to talk about some uh, a herd health, uh, a beef herd health uh, livestock uh, program, as well as where to correctly place those injections uh, into the cattle uh, for those vaccinations for fall. And then uh, Bill Halfman, like you said, he's our beef specialist, uh, out- outreach specialist here in Extension. He's going to talk about some of the... Um, what type of facilities to maybe put together, and then talking about hay supplies and how you can stretch that if you are short on feed. Uh, Bill and I will kind of tag team on some of the forage and inventory types of things to estimate what you might need throughout the throughout the winter. So it's going to be a full uh, morning program, and then in the afternoon we got a free lunch. So okay, uh, folks, but do you need registration because of that? No, not specifically. Oh, no, no. Okay. They got uh, the watershed groups going to going to supply all we need. And then in the afternoon, we do have a pasture walk along with some soil health uh, types of programs. And we have Brady Gadel coming in uh, from North Dakota State. He's a soil health technician uh, and also a Ph.D. candidate out oh, there. So Brady's good. a local Kadat kid. I was going to say Gadel. He yep. might be in North Dakota, but he sounds lawful local. Yep, he's local. He's from Kadat. and uh, he's going to the weekend, huh? I guess so. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be around um, working to... Uh, and you know, again, a PhD candidate working in this in, on soils and soil health, and Brady's going to be on hand too to All right. talk about that in the afternoon. So full day. Saturday, yep, I'm going to say so. That's this Saturday. Give us the times, the farm, the location. Yep. So everybody knows again. So we're going to start at 10 a.m. Okay. And again, it's at the Ken Schmidt Farm, uh, Schmidt Family Farm. There, right on the corner of Highway B and. Highway 40. It's got a Colfax address. Okay. Uh, even though it's between Bloomer and Colfax. Yep. So if you stay on Highway 40, but it's right by the Howard Town Hall. So we're in the town of Howard there. Uh, right when you come out the, on the curve, uh, we'll have some signage right there. And uh, it's going to be right there on the curve. Bill Happen's not stupid. He'd line this up so he didn't have to go very far. That's right. He's, He's in Bloomer. <laughs> try, to, try to keep Bill as local as we can. All so right. Brady's from Kadat. Bill's from Bloomer. Yep. I'm from Tilden. we there got a pretty go. good local group there today. All right. So a good beef meeting coming up on Saturday. We'll remind you that as the week goes along. Thanks, Jerry. All right. Thanks, Bob. Jerry Clark, Chippewa Dunn, Eau Claire County, Crops and Soils Agent, talking about beef this morning. The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's nine minutes before six o'clock, 32 degrees out there, and we need to head to Sparta Equity and hear from Hot Eman. Fed cattle signs steady today with the higher than choice beef steers and heifers 182 to 190. The choice and select beef steers and heifers 166 to 181. The beef and dairy cross steers 160 to 180. The higher than choice Holstein steers 157 to 165. Choice and select Holstein steers 146 to 156 with the unfinished steers. Heifers and heavy steers 101 to 145. Cow market steady quality beef slaughter cows up to $1.15. The Highland slaughter dairy cows 95 to 110. The cutters and utilities 79 to 94 with volume and canner cows 33 to 78 cents. Organic market today with the results from the organic October 16th sale with the Highland slaughter organic cows 130 to 160. The thin and small organic cows 90 to 129. With the organic steers and heifers, 150 to 175, bull market steady. Most bulls bringing dollar to dollar fifteen, topping at 117 with a thin full and bulls over 2,200 pounds discount at 99 cents and down. Calves sold by the pound today.
with a steady market with a quality Holstein bull calves bringing three dollars to four fifty, topping at four eighty. The quality Holstein heifer calves seventy five cents to two dollars. The quality beef bulls six dollars to eight fifty. The quality beef heifers five dollars to seven fifty. With the light and poor quality calves ten cents to a dollar per pound. Just a reminder: our next sale will be Wednesday, October eighteenth, starting at ten a.m. with fed cattle, followed by bulls, cows, and calves. This is Huck aiming at Equity Livestock in Sparta with this marketing update, and we thank you for your business. And let's get to more markets over at the Equity Stratford Barn. Jerry Fitzgerald is with us. Good morning, Jerry. A little cool on your thermometer, too, this morning, huh? Bob, good morning to you. Yeah, 33 degrees. And I, before we go any further, I was uh, wondering, are you going to uh, audition for the uh, quarterback role down at the Badgers? It kind of <laughs> looks like they need one. <laughs> they need more than a quarterback down there, that's for sure. But uh, that's their challenge. we got enough around here. How'd the market go yesterday? Well, markets are doing good, Bob. We'll tell the folks about it. I thank you, and a good morning to everyone. A summary from yesterday, Monday, here at Equity Stratford. We'll start with the cow market. Uh, uh, mostly steady with uh, last week's uh, market. Uh, high-yielding, fleshy, Holstein, and beef cows in yesterday's sale were selling from 96 to $1.16. Top cow yesterday at $1.19. Most of the cows uh, yesterday uh, selling from 70 to 95. Thinner cows, like carcass cows, below 70. Both trade, uh, better quality bulls are selling from 104 to 118. Lighter weight bulls, a dollar and below. Uh, we'll have an update on the Fed cattle market a little bit later in the week here. Most of those will be sold tomorrow. Calf market, very, very strong yesterday. Large run of calves yesterday, 650 calves sold here at Equity Stratford yesterday. And good quality replacement Holstein bull calves weighing 9,230 pounds, selling mostly from 250 to 500. Yep, folks, 500 Holstein calves up to 540. Uh, heifer calves selling from 75 to 160. And these beef calves just uh, keep rolling on uh, very, very strong. 400 to 750 up to 780 on the beef calves yesterday's auction so again a very strong calf market today tuesday we start this morning 10 o'clock with the hay and bedding auction folks we're looking for round bales we got round bales a second crop and large squares a second crop also as part of the consignment 11 o'clock today will be the dairy auction and uh, market auction will follow the dairy sale and of course we do sell the organic cattle today organic cattle will as part of the regular market auction and of course that'll be after the dairy sale tomorrow feeder cattle sale is at 12.30. Uh, for you folks in the beef business, uh, looking for some real good quality Charlet cattle, that's part of the consignment for tomorrow. Again, that will be at 12.30. So with that, Bob, we'll turn it back to you. And uh, while I was, I watched a little bit of the Badger game, about as much as I could stand, I seen a big, tall guy uh, kind of jumping up and down. Was that you? Or Yeah, I always get involved in the jump around. I always do that. I don't, oh, okay. I don't get very high off the ground, but, but I still try. <laughs> It's always fun. I mean, the, the side show down there is uh, is worth it, even if the game on the field isn't all that exciting, but maybe it'll get better. Hey, you have yep. a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You guys have a nice day. Enjoy the weather. You bet, Bob. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Thank you. There you go. Jerry Fitzgerald over at Stratford. And our market's brought to you by Synergy Cooperative over there at Ridgeland. Uh, corn was lower, beans higher yesterday and overnight. December corn down another penny at 489. The oats up a penny at 383. December wheat down a nickel, 572. November soybeans up two overnight, 1288. December meal up a dollar sixty at three hundred ninety one dollars and eighty cents at the country elevators today. Northside elevator loyal location new crop corn is at 444 with soybeans at 1207. At the Arcadia location, corn's at 444, with soybeans at 1208. Wheat and grain, Chippewa Falls location, corn's at 427, and beans are at 1217, with Connorsville 
at 428 and 1213 for beans. Honda DTN screen corn golden plump today, 454 at Baldwin, 439 on the corn, 1209 on the beans. Duran, 434 on the corn, 1199 for soybeans. Mondovi has their corn at 439, beans at 1204. Elmwood, 444 on the corn, 1209 on the beans at Fall Creek. Corn is 434, beans 1199 at Adasio, 449. And 1209 on the soybeans. Elk Mounds corn is 434. Beans 1219. Sparta 435 with the beans at 1194. And over at Ellsworth, 414 on the corn, 1189 on the beans. At the ethanol plants, Boysfield today corn 439. Stanley 449. New Richmond at 444. Barrel cheese down a quarter at 164 and a quarter. Blocks unchanged at dollar seventy. Butter down one at 335. Class three October down three sixteen eighty one November down two at seventeen thirty nine December down nine at seventeen fifty January down eight at eighteen oh two February down four at eighteen thirty thirty two degrees right now we'll get partly sunny in sixty two it's going to be a good one enjoy it and whatever you're doing doing it safely you've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report available at waxradio.com in its entirety every day brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi and the Chilson family of brand dealerships Chippewa Falls and Kadah on demand content at waxradio.com